shit. It's the Sopranos Podcast, Season 5, Episode 5, entitled Wildfire. Even if it weren't true, it's what people think. That's a quote from Chris Moltisanti in Season 5, Episode 5 of The Sopranos, entitled Irregular Around the Margins. This episode was written by Robin Green and Mitchell Burgess, directed by Alan Coulter. This is a very unique electric episode, and it builds to such a wild crescendo, and when it hits the gas, it just simply does not let up until the credits roll. What a heart-pounding, awesome hour of The Sopranos. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Lily D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. Irregular Around the Margins. It's also, uh, there's no other episode quite like this in the show. Uh, there's no B-plot, A-plot. This is all just one storyline all the way through, one scene building after the last. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts, first impressions and feelings after watching this tour de force. Uh, I think it's one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. Um, so certainly this season, probably the entire series. I love how much energy it has. It is literally a high-octane explosion episode. It is also notable that all the big drama and conflict is internal. It's all inside the park. There's not an external threat mm. that is suddenly coming in and threatening everybody's lives and changing the status quo. It is born of the drama and the things that have been building below the surface in this family for a while, and what sets it off is... Just the regularness of human attraction mm. and what falls out from that. Now, of course, there are other situations that are layered on top of this one, making it a really complicated episode as well, but just the simple thrill of it was enough for me to just literally be holding on to the edge of my seat. Mm. Memory is funny because when you, Chris, said, hey, I want you on this one, it was like, huh, I remember, like, this is a funny episode. I don't re quite recall, like, why I would being beckoned for this one. Oh, well, it's not very funny. There are funny moments, and uh, my memory served me very incorrectly, or I've just grown up that much more, though. I can't imagine my ever finding that funny in the moment, which is why I started with memory's kind of a funny thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, this one's a, a big old woof. It's, it's really hard to watch, but really compelling for... All the reasons we've already said and will say, I'm sure. I agree. This fucking show. <clears throat> they keep doing this. I've seen this episode before, and yet my feeling watching it was really being taken aback and going back to, I think, probably the feeling of first watching this and not knowing what was going to come next. Really thinking that this was the end of the road for Chris when they take him out to the Meadowlands. Yeah, well, and five seasons in... It's not outside the realm of possibility that this could have been Chris's end here. Yeah, and this is another thing about this that I really... Because, as Jordan said, it's contained, which means we're also getting pretty deep, I think, into three, maybe four characters. I really think it's about two couples at the end of the day, this episode. And it's also contained in, as you mentioned, Chris, it's all one story, just right on through. And it's a... Another word for margins is boundaries, mm. borders, and this is about crossing those taboos, mm -hmm. for sure, right out of the gate. We're going to talk about one because of who Tony sees at the club. And almost as if, in keeping with that theme, it's a very contained episode with these particular characters. Even the other gangsters act more like the gallery or the chorus 
it is very important what they're saying and what their perceptions are. But Silvio and Polly, they don't have like a bunch of scenes. It's mm. not that kind of episode. Uh, it's far and away the most intense of the season so far. It is also one of my favorite episodes of the show. I could talk about it all day. I love mm. it. The, the sister episode to this one seems to be Boca. Mm. Right, in season one, where there's the, the taboo of talking about these things that are going on behind closed doors. Now, in this episode, uh, you know, the, the alleged blowjob, right, never actually happened, whereas Cunnilingus did happen in the case between uh, Junior and, and his Bobby in, in season one. These things being talked about have these decaying ramifications, which is why Christopher is so panicked in this episode, and... You know, the, the abuse of Adriana, I think, mirrors the abuse of, of Bobby, uh, you know, girl Bobby, back in, in season one, where, you know, these men become so caught up in how they are perceived that it becomes more important than how anyone else, especially the women, feel. Mm. Very well said, Jordan. I, I remember this episode takes me back to 2004 because I... You just knew it was going to be... shit. Was They always hyped up the next episode and like the next week on Sopranos. They always could make it look like there was going to be a bloodbath, even if it was like, you know, people hanging out in an office or something. But you just knew from the shot in the Meadowlands with someone on their knees that this something was going to go down in this episode. There was I remember knowing that going in, and it, it didn't disappoint. This is such a good one. Let's start from the beginning and talk about the first boundary that's crossed as Paul mentioned, awkward being out at a club and bumping into your, your dad, isn't it? Meadow and Finner at Crazy Horse bumps into him, no drinking and driving, has that little scene with Meadow, he leaves with Benny, and then uh, I guess Finn hasn't been told what dad does yet, or at least uh, he's playing coy if he hasn't been told officially. Saturday night, that's dedication. I think that's coy. I yeah. think he, he knows. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's sarcasm. <laughs> Guys, does Tony chip cocaine now? Is that like a thing that we need to discuss? Like, he comes Certainly. out of that bathroom. Um, snorting and sniffing. Snorting and sniffing. Meadow isn't foolish. And when he walks away from Meadow, he actually like runs his hand under his nose and looks at it. Yeah, I mean, I, I get why the scene is awkward, too. I don't know that I'm 100% on why it's, like, so... Oh, I, I, what the fuck is she thinking be, being here? Unless, like, uh, you know, I'm running into her after I fucking snorted coke in the bathroom. Yeah. But that's, I mean, you know... Yeah, yeah. No, he's projecting his shit onto her. It's not abnormal for... It's weird weirder for him to be there. Than, right. <laughs> frankly. <Yeah>. She's <laughs> of age. I'm sure she beat the cover charge. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we progress quickly. Adriana talking to the feds that uh, Tony's around a lot. This uh, snitching is not going anywhere anytime soon. And she's given up, you know, this is significant information about Tony. And we're already getting a sense of danger now because her being close to Tony is what is good for the feds, right? The feds want to nurture this, want to bloom make sure that whatever is happening here continues and blooms they want to exploit her like everybody else correct yes yes uh they tell her to check the log on christopher's cell he's doing business down south she almost got caught doing it once and she's not going to do it again wait till he gets in the shower and then she has an emergency number two in white pants by the way uh <laughs> very very intelligently selected wardrobe on the part of the sopranos wardrobe department yeah, but to even wear those knowing you're having an issue, that takes some cojones. 
It's a Jersey thing. I Take guess. something. <laughs> and the next medical malady, we get a scene. Tony's getting something taken off his head. We don't know quite what this is just yet. But he does ask, did you get it all? Which, to those who have dealt with any kind of skin issue or potential cancers or growths, lets you know that uh, something was popping up on Tony's head here. Cancers, uh, they talk about it later in the episode, but never brings up good feelings. It's So this is immediately alarming. Yeah. These two people with their various uh, maladies. The uh, nurse that sees to Tony is a younger woman. The doctor that sees to Adriana is an older man. Um, this mm. will this frames out the vulnerability that they'll eventually seek out and wow, find really each other. Perceptive. I didn't pick up on that. that wow. yeah, that's very good pickup. But I you know, I all... have I have thought about though that boy that she's seeing an older that that guy's an older man. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that doctor she has. Well, and the feds in their charming scene later don't get why she's attracted to Tony, but I th- I think there are many ways in which it's not simply physical. Mm. Um, Particularly with her, the, uh, the fatherly thing Tony, as he says, isn't stupid. But I, I just, I just picked up on that in these yeah, two scenes. Yeah. They're right together. So, Doctor is a great line. I've used this something going on that's giving you the gym jams. <laughs> you do use that. I do. Yeah, it's great. It's it's. Fantastic. I use the word jambles, which is very similar. <laughs> I like that. For, for for like intestinal for like stress. yeah for like bubbly gut like yeah. you know, <laughs> I, might, I might have diarrhea any moment is the jambles oh uh, okay like right before you go on stage to perform like mm-hmm. uh, you got the jambles yeah. mm. uh, I really liked aesthetically that shot of Adriana just sitting there in her her hospital gown doctor office gown in the doorway when the doctor walks out and the door just kind of that shot lingers on her just really vulnerable sad she looks like a little girl to, to stress the age difference there she looks like a little girl sitting at the doctor's office it's 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 just that shot just made me perk up it's like oh that's a good shot they're also both alone yeah you know what i mean i mean i'm not saying ibs is life-threatening it's not uh i suffer from ibs it's a fairly common thing but i think they would both like some comfort here right tony's actually having a fairly serious procedure right could Mm -hmm. be Right, Adriana, not serious, but she's in a situ- serious situation with it, right? And they're both know. keeping it. They're both keeping it from their spouse. Right. Yeah. To Paul's point, I mean, these are parallel scenes on purpose. It yeah. becomes a secret shared between them that, you know, she doesn't want Chris to know she has. Uh, irritable they're bowel. hiding their vulnerabilities. Although you know, Chris, and we see why when we hear how Chris talks about it later on in the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tony's over at the house, giving her her allowance. She's painting fruit, the things Carmilla's doing with this big empty house that we left her with at the end of All Happy Families. One of those, I guess I'll paint. Tony <laughs> picks the apple off of it, starts eating it while she's painting it. It's hard. What do you do it for? Interesting line there. Tony not understanding why you would voluntarily do something that's difficult or challenging. She's the one who's got to paint the good pictures. She's always got to do that work. Mm-hmm. So... What I love about these two scenes, another parallel, is the one the one just after this has Adriana telling Chris about the IBS, and he is of no comfort. Here, Carmela, in spite of how difficult things are with Tony, and in spite of her body language not being like super connected to him, she asks, what about that what thing about on, that your on your head? She's not intuiting cancer. I think she thinks he passed out again. Mm. And he hit his head. He's done this before. Yeah, and he's but and he refuses. He closes her off. Hit my head on the medicine chest. Don't, Don't worry, worry about it. it. Yeah. So two different 
elements of loneliness. One where Tony seems to be shrinking back. The other one where Adriana, of course, much more emotionally naked, reaches out. Chris gives her nothing. Yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love this scene with Chris and Adriana. It's it's for one thing, obviously with especially with it was funny at the time, but especially with the historical perspective. Uh, the, the conversation about the war in the Middle East. What do you got to be stressed about? War? <laughs> Christopher, the Middle East? Don't <laughs> you listen to the president? We're going to mop the floor with the rest of the fucking world. The whole world's going to be under our control. What are you worried about? <laughs> Interesting kind of criticism coming in from David Chase here, right? Seems to think that you know the government is quite buffoonish in this time. Of course. Know, so, yeah. Of course. Uh, and, you know, listen, uh, this that was not a popular... Uh, what Chris was saying was not actually an unpopular sentiment at this time when the Iraq War first started. There were obviously always detractors, but that was, uh, you know, we were still, country was still fresh off 9-11. People were still angry. We hadn't gotten bin Laden. So that war has, it's changed a lot in recent years, but that war did not have a lot of support, uh, had a lot of support at the time. So Christopher is actually echoing a lot of American sentiments. Hmm. Such delicate language. I think he, I don't know if it was his cousin. Somebody he knew had it. His whole quote whole asshole rotted out. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's so helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's no comfort to Adriana here. Cut to the back of the crazy horse. She's going through a day planner. White rush. She's drinking white Russians, and they share their their medical issues. <laughs> That's why I'm drinking white Russian. Right. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure how medicinal the white Russian is. To uh, me, you know. anything with milk in it is not a good tummy food. Am I missing uh, something? Does no, anyone... I don't think so. Listeners, if you are aware of some kind of medicinal value <laughs> to white Russians that I'm just missing, I'm not a white Russian drinker. Well, the dude is. Well, the dude abides. The dude abides. The medicinal value is in the vodka. <laughs> right. Correct. Right. But that, everybody's, everybody's turned into their addictions on this one. Uh, Tony's uh, doctor was recommended by Hesh. It's been a while since we've had some Hesh time, so it was nice to just hear about him, even. Tony is eyeballing. The eyeballing begins here. Adriana's always been a beautiful woman, uh, but them being alone together in this setting, Tony on the drugs, the sharing of the medical, the personal information... Uh, there were a few shots of Tony where the eyes wander a little bit below the waist. So, that's kind of starting. Adriana, you're such a good father. And they're talking about AJ. Wish my dad had... What what did did she say? Wish my dad had... uh, Been like that. Been like that, yep. So, we're starting. The seeds are being planted. This is probably the point in the episode where people in the audience who haven't seen this before are starting to think, they're not. Am I getting a vibe here? What? What's no, no. That clearly, that's not gonna right. Happen. Yeah, yeah. Do they bond a bit as well over, or maybe that it's just another element in the empathetic connection that part of conceivably what Adriana's going through with IBS. Not for everybody, but the audience is going to know. For her, it's in part psychosomatic, psychological, brought on by stress. And she says, on top of everything, I'm a head case. Of course, Tony has thought that about himself. Mm-hmm. Given uh, everything with therapy, loops us back into where this episode goes with Melfi. Yeah. So it's the desperate loneliness, right? They are so both so deeply lonely that them finding that connection was enough. You mm-hmm. know, they're just they're both so desperate for some kind of connection. Right. 
They've also done this, it starts in this scene, they do it again when the, uh, the later sequence there where they're playing darts. Um, it seems like maybe, again, just like we were talking about in our post-recording with the film club, some of these characters just, like, we should have culture. And so is it a regular idea that this club should have art? Because it has, like, almost like a rotation of bad art mm -hmm. on the wall, like, really modern stuff. And in the office is one just a big motherfucking eye. And it's like, yeah, because you're being watched. Mm. Because people are talking about mm. even the suggestion that, as Jordan mentioned, the alleged blowjob is going to become a thing. So that just these little touches yeah. um, visually really add something. Well, that's also... That can't be our food already, is it? Oh, it is. Oh, listeners, our food just got here. <laughs> so, uh, fuck y'all. <laughs> you will now listen to us eat. Um, nom, nom. We'll hold for a second. All right, we ready? Yeah, let's do it. Of course, like all things with The Sopranos, it works on that deeper level of the eye, and they're being watched in the sense that what they're doing in this office is not for private consumption it's for public consumption it is all it also works on this other level because we on the surface level which is that adriana has a horrible taste in art so of course her club would have all this ugly bullshit all over it it's funny yeah. horrible taste in art horrible taste in people just everything about adriana's perception is off mm. you know sad but true christopher's preparing for a trip to raleigh for this cigarette run, some kind of cigarette deal going on down there. He has a toothache. He's getting, uh, Adriana comes out, asks a few questions where you going. He gets a little snippy with her. He's got some kind of toothache going on here, but he's pissed off because he can, he treats it with oil and clove. You know, he's, he's not able to take medicine. Uh, and uh, she apologizes and runs off. <laughs> I love the line. She's got diarrhea. <laughs> the look on little Polly's face is great. It's like I, you know, I could have gone yeah. need to know on that. Um, yeah, that was a real dick. As a woman, that was a real dick thing to do. Is you did not need to say anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Diarrhea. yeah, he's got a line earlier that's really funny. Uh, like they ever heard of electrolysis down there? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, all right, take it easy on the North Carolinians, dude. <laughs> but you know what? There is important information imparted in the scene, though, because Chris is clearly bothered in pain. He's suffering. Kudos at this point, obviously we know where things are going, but kudos at this point, that's dedication, to be in pain. It's one thing to avoid having a drink when you're out in a social environment or at, at, at having a glass of wine at dinner, but to be in pain and commit to your sobriety. Good for you, Chris. We'll see how long this lasts. Good for you for now. <laughs> well, the point is he's making the effort. We'll see. Making something. Tony uh, catches Aid doing coke. She looks good. She's wearing a short skirt. Tony sees her and is drawn in. Yeah. What is, what is he? Something like, uh, yeah, twist my arm, something like that. He'll, he'll have some. He, uh, she didn't need to twist that hard, did she? Yeah, correct. This is a little unsettling seeing Tony do drugs like this, especially because, look, he's no saint. He has a lot of impulse issues, but, uh, this seems a step above what we've seen from him before. He's not above a drink or something, but Tony on Coke is definitely, especially in such close proximity to the last time we saw him doing Coke in this episode. It's like, oh, this is a... It, it's also the worst drug for him, right? right? Cocaine famously <clears throat> loosens your inhibitions, 
gives you a sense that you're on the top of the world and mm-hmm. that you're you're master of the universe, right? Yeah. This guy doesn't need that drug. No. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People like me need that drug. <laughs> I'm in a, I'm in a the, terrible um, place. In the last episode, one of the taboos that is discussed there, not directly, but AJ's whole stupid thing in the city. The big mm. thing was like, oh, you had a couple of beers. You didn't do any drugs. Right. Which he did. He smoked some smoked some weed um, and acted like an idiot. But a totally different thing. Yeah. And uh, But it's like still a taboo. Mm-hmm. So again, Tony by at the end has to say, I don't do drugs. That's the face he's got to put on this. Drugs is more taboo than murder for Tony. He's lecturing Chris about drugs when he's they're chopping up Ralphie. <laughs> yeah. So, we yeah, exactly. They, uh... Start a game of... This is very good acting, by the way. I like that Tony sits down, snorts the coke, and can't stay seated for another 30 seconds. Just like, fun physical. Up. Darts. That's good acting. That's good writing. It's good storytelling. You do drugs, a drug like cocaine, you want to get back up, you're not going to sit and have a chill conversation. It's an excuse for them to get physical, get close. Very flirty. Very flirty. The comments, the touching. Uh, he's... She's trying to throw darts. He's touching her stomach okay. It's a chance to touch her. She Uh, drops the darts. She ends up kneeling before him mm -hmm. at crotch height. So there's the first suggestion of the, you know, oral sex or something like that. Actually, no, this is the second suggestion, right? Because we've had an earlier scene with San Severino. Yeah, she says, if you think I'm going to blow this guy, guy, right? And now here's the visual on that, the visual follow up. And uh, in a, I don't mean this in a gross way. She's kneeling before him. Uh, I mean this in a, just a characterization way. She doesn't seem to hate it down there. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, she's not like, oh, let me quickly recover from this. She's mm. like, hmm, there's a moment there. Mm-hmm. The scene does sit in it for a second. Absolutely. Too long. It does. I just wouldn't. She's not of right mind is the thing. Like I don't think. I don't under... think anybody on this show's. Well, that's fair. <laughs> right mind. All right. So, good night, everybody. <laughs> fair enough. But what I mean is, like, under under any other circumstances where she's not under the most intense, lonely pressure, stress of her life, would she even consider anything like this? No, well, it was to- a perfect storm. It was the perfect storm. It was a perfect storm because Chris is away. That, yep. that 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 knocks a wall down. You have the drugs, that knocks a wall down. You have the sharing of secrets, that knocks a wall down. All these walls are getting knocked down, these boundaries being crossed. Mm-hmm. And it almost happens here. She gets up, he tucks some hair out of her face. There's a glance, a slow movement. He is assessing whether or not this would be successful. She doesn't, her body language doesn't suggest get away from me. And he goes for it. And knock, knock, knock. Right. It's a kiss moment without yeah. the, the knock on the door. Once she's stood up, yes. Yeah, they, right. These two were going to kiss. Yes. Oh, that was going to happen. Yeah. Yep. 100%. Yeah. My point is, though, anybody who showed her any kind of kindness like that would have... She she would have reacted in a, in a way, whether it was to kiss or to blow. Like, she's... I think w- there's an underestimation of, like... Maybe not an underestimation, but it's just I do I will not walk out of this episode of our podcast thinking that like she would have done this under any other circumstances with Tony. I don't think she's ever thought about it. I don't think this has ever been a possibility. I think this is literally just she is so desperately lonely 
that somebody showed her any kind of kindness, which is something she has not seen in a very long time. She's nobody. Zero mm. people. Well, to your point, I don't think he's ever considered her. Correct. Yeah. It's either. I mean, obviously, she's, on the surface, very attractive. Yeah. And a lot of Tony's uh, attractiveness comes from things that are not necessarily physical. It's a lot of his charisma. It's sure. a lot of his force of personality. Correct. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording today in the pre-show that the circumstances of this episode are really very unlikely. Correct. Because you would never put Tony and Adriana together. Not as a viewer, not as a writer. It really doesn't work. But somehow they make it believable in this episode. It's just percent. enough. It yeah. just enough comes across. Yep. Very well said. Oh, I believe it. I'm just saying that, like, this is... No, yeah, under normal circumstances, yeah. no. It was a perfect storm. Right. Phil and Joey Peeps come in. If there's anything that'll kill a boner, it's these two guys. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, off to business. And then, we're back at Melfi's. I am happy to see Melfi back uh, in this therapeutic capacity. And she looks like an angel. She looks just really like a soft lovely. light yeah, on yeah, yeah. her. She's dressed a certain way. I was like, oh, she's the she's like a saint. Mm-hmm. St. Melfi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Lorraine Bracco's a, a beautiful woman. There is something, there's an extra sparkle there this season, I feel like. I don't know if that's... Well, isn't what, she but... proud of herself? This is the <laughs> only time I've been frustrated with her. Mm. Because, oh, she's so proud of the fact that she took him back. The judge is And she's or... right. Maybe she's no. overly sort of smug about it. She, no, it's the idea that she has... She identifies, we haven't, I mean, we're about to get here, but she identifies that there's been progress and boy, is she proud, right? Mm. Everybody has said (laughs) that there is no way he was going to, like, that she could make any progress with him. Mm. And look at me. I got him back. He's in my chair. We're conversing normally, and he has progress. Man, aren't I awesome? I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on that. Go ahead. I'm gonna push back on that. <laughs> oh boy. Is it possible? Is it possible? Paul and I are gonna leave the room. <laughs> is it is it because po- look because here here's the thing. She's not she's not wrong in the sense that Tony called her up to discuss oh. an impulse that he knows would have been destructive. She says that to him. Absolutely. You're, you're just a, and is it possible that for the first time in the career of their therapy, Tony has made a stall before a bad decision and she's trying to do some kind of positive reinforcement, encouraging and proud of him? Is oh, that at all possible? Of course. I think both can be true. And okay. I think both are true. I get a smugness from her in this scene and I think it's, I don't know. I give Tony no credit here. Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris, I don't think he, he, I don't wants... think he made the decision at all. Phil Leotardo knocking on the door made the decision for him. <laughs> That's... Otherwise, he would have had his tongue down his throat. That's it. And possibly other uh, extrusions. Okay. Well, that's a fair oh. point. Oh, <laughs> that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I, uh, she yeah, is a little listen, smug in this listen, scene. I do think smug that, yeah. Well, and listen. I have to play devil's advocate. I was told by somebody we don't fight enough on the show. Really? Uh, yeah, somebody said we don't fight. Oh. 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 <laughs> Chris, why don't you shut the fuck up? Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, she is smug. And she, you know, listen, under normal circumstances, she as a therapist should be proud of that moment sure. when a patient makes some kind of you know, breakthrough or, or, you know, does something right. It's just that this is all phony baloney. Hmm. Well, yeah, and I think Lily is onto something here that 
there's something that she's connecting with and wants to move forward, but also that uh, what Michael Scott would call her smudgeness. Um, <laughs> her being smug, she gets the comeuppance for it later, mm. right? In a one-line therapy scene. My favorite is, scene in the episode. That is priceless. <laughs> um, that maybe she jumped the gun on, this is a milestone for you. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's true, that's true. And there's our smudgeness. <laughs> I'm only a little stitious. <laughs> Tony says, I always think the mis- sleeping with your mistress's cousin as if the mistress wasn't enough to piss off your wife. The cut to Gandolfini on there is priceless. Yep. He's just got this look on his face. It's great. Tony keeps referring to her as this girl or uh, my nephew's fiance. Melfi keeps deliberately using the word niece, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like, hey, this is family. Mm-hmm. Uh well, because she sees it as, uh, Melfi sees it as symbolic incest. Yes, exactly. Which it is. Yep. Tony's says, gives on a delusional path of, I could start a whole, girl like her, I could start a whole new family. This, Absolute delusion. This is the ruination of how many men. Yeah. Right. I uh, love my wife, you know. but oh, you kid. Old story, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know. Yep. And just, uh, you know, a lot of men... When they have their midlife crisis, sometimes ending up in divorce, sometimes because they've had an affair, uh, many of the things that are brought to bear on this show, Artie Bucco, another character, kind of same thing. You know, the the furthering of that is, you know, not only can I leave my wife and have this affair or whatever, I'll marry a woman 20 years my junior, right, and have a whole new family with her and get to fuck up all over again. <laughs> like, what, what do you want? Yeah. You know? It's a disaster, and it uh, it is something that befalls many men. It, it it's interesting timing. Lily and I are watching Mad Men, and no spoilers on that for those who haven't seen it. But Paul will know because Paul's also seen a lot of Mad Men. There's a beloved Mad Men character who makes this mistake in Spades. <laughs> Listen, uh, the, sometimes the, the, the it works thing. out. Perhaps I shouldn't judge too harshly, but most of the time it's like I don't think you learned anything from the first marriage before you're going to move on to the second one, and. You're older now, too, mm. you know, yeah. and you have the first family to consider. Yep. Uh, it's very few men that can thread this needle, and many try. It is nice that Tony can see the consequences of this. Uh, my nephew would be, you know, my, Carm would hose me financially. There'd be no reasoning with her after that. It would be a disaster of, of, of epic proportions. And then there's Christopher, after years of grooming him to be my number two. And he acknowledges this might be the father thing. I'm not stupid. He's not stupid. He's correct. That's a part. That's a piece of it. She's mentioned that is almost thing. all of it. Yeah. Well, it's it's Irina again. You know, it's a girl. You know, not too much older than Meadow, has what we call daddy issues. You know, uh, it's not a healthy foundation to build a relationship off of. Yep. And then we get on limits and boundaries, which is what this whole this whole hour is about. This is a milestone for you. For once, you want to avoid doing something you know will be destructive to yourself and others. I know this is a powerful urge. She talks about how a few episodes ago, Tony had to have her. And look, you survived. Do something good. Use this. See this as an opportunity to do something good. Be worthy of respect. See if you can be a help to this woman. And if you can't keep it in your pants, you need to stay away from her. That's mm-hmm. a boundary. Yeah. Uh, but interesting return to therapy here. Any other thoughts on this scene before we uh, progress? She's giving him more actionable items than she has ever given him before in therapy, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of her past therapy was suggestion, uh, you know, move towards revelation, contemplation. You know, these are much more direct 
don't have sex with this girl. Mm-hmm. Right? Keep it in your fucking pants. That yeah. is that is more direct advice than we've typically seen Melfi give in the past, right? I liked that, and I liked that, I guess, in that same respect, she was. it seemed a bit harder on him. Calling him out, no, that's a rationalization. Hmm. It's like before she took this appointment, she said to herself, like, I'm going to behave this way if I'm going to let him back. Mm-hmm. There was definitely some preparation, yep. which is, I think, is why she comes off as the angelic, which is why there's the smugness, mm-hmm. which is why, you know, she definitely, like, set her own boundaries for bringing this back, whether they're set or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aid talking to San Severino again. Looking at ducks. Looking at Tony at ducks one time in his pool. Uh, he's certainly, he's got no pool, no ducks, or no family, which is what the ducks are symbolic of. Why are we coming back to them now? The ducks? Yeah. Uh, well, this is, uh... <laughs> I'm asking genuinely, I really yeah, don't know. Yeah. I was like, uh, it's a good okay, question. it's, it's you, one you, of the series' you. most powerful symbols. I have nothing except what Chris just said. Mm. Which is what? That the ducks were the initial anxiety of the show. We cut from therapy to the ducks, and... The ducks were the image, and the image was, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Adriana's line, instead of Tony had ducks once in his pool, might as well be, yeah, Tony once had a family. I mean, that's how, <laughs> mm-hmm. he, you know, he's he's, yeah. he's just two lonely souls in the universe here. And this is also a scene about, uh, this is also, Adriana's talking a lot about escape, and someday we're going to get out from under this shit and get away, and, you know, the ducks flew away, and... Uh, there's just a lot of I don't know maybe it's thematic it's it's mood based it's it's uh yeah I think it just underscores to me the the brokenness of the current situation and hearkening back to <laughs> better days when this family wasn't in pieces perhaps I don't know okay yeah but just a thought if anyone else has some thoughts on why the ducks would come back in this episode and Tony's on her mind and San Severino's only association to it is the the exploitation of it exactly yes. Uh, she mentioned them getting a vibe. I'm not gonna fuck them. Yeah. And, uh, then we get this lovely scene with the feds mocking her. Because they're in it for the right reasons. They're, they're, they're altruistic. And, <laughs> and really, they're, they're, they're in this for the, for justice. Yeah, the good the, guys. The good of the nation. Yeah. Uh, this was as difficult to watch as the abuse later in this episode for me. Yeah. It's just, wh- why even bother? Yep. You know, this to me only proves our point that they're not doing the right thing by going after Adriana. They're basically just humiliating her. Right. Yeah. They've decided to ruin her life as as a byproduct to get Tony. Mm-hmm. But they don't have the tools to do that. She's given them nothing and she's been snitching for how long? Mm. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it is so cruel for them to be so disconnected from what she's actually going through. I yeah, I so agree. We brought this up I think last season and it's um they really are leaning on the wrong person. You know, not only does she not know anything, she has no emotional fortitude to be able to keep this up. Uh they're basically killing her. Correct. You know. So she's no rotting. no no physical fortitude. She's rotting from the inside. Right. She's right. she's she's got the gym jams because right. of this. We've all done theater. I think I've heard it said in it one of my favorite sequences in, in Reservoir Dogs, the, the first big Tarantino movie, was when Tim Roth's character is being trained to be a spy. Mm-hmm. And he's being trained by this other cop, and the other cop is essentially telling him, you have to be like the best actor in the world. Mm. That's just not Adriana. Right. She can't, she can't fuck around with these gangsters and make them think that she's X. 
Mm-hmm. Like we were saying, she's emotionally so naked and vulnerable. It was just, it was such a stupid idea in the first place. Yep. And these feds are, I mean, and in this, they're reduced to being part of the gossip train. Mm-hmm. That's all. Right. They're just in that thread where they do the Bye Bye Birdie sequence with all the telephone <laughs> Right, telephone hour. That's right, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Fuckers. Yeah, jeez, Louise. She's a beautiful woman. She wants to fuck Barney Rubble. We were talking about this beforehand. He is not Barney. Let's <laughs> let's let's give Tony some credit. He is Fred. Yes. Tony is Fred, he's not definitely Barney. Fred. Barney just has the funnier name. <laughs> come on now. Yep. That's accurate. Yeah, yeah. come on. He yeah. at least gets to be Fred. Yep. Yeah. Well, you really don't know him. He listens and they laugh. Ugh. Awful. Nobody <laughs> listens to her. No. Nobody. No. Because if whatever the... What's the name of the FBI agent? San Severino. Whatever. If she actually listened, I don't think she'd be making fun of her. Tony's back at the club, this time in a suit. Adriana resolved, I'm going to spend more. She must have, she doesn't have her own therapist, but she's trying to draw her own boundaries. I need to spend, I'm going to spend more time on the floor, crack the whip. Uh, She should be able to go wherever she wants in her own club, but whatever. (laughs) She tries to get uh, Chris's new number from Tony for the feds. Uh, perhaps, but Tony says, oh, he's due back tomorrow. Well, he almost gives it to her. Right. And then his, like, spider sense goes off. Yeah, isn't that interesting? It is interesting. Tony is so primal. It's great. Whether he knows, he has no clue she's a snitch, but he just knows it's a bad idea to give that number out. Yeah, well, you know, he, obviously he does not know she's a snitch. Of course not. That would have, you know, terrible consequences. But he weirdly knows something. I can't really express that. It's kind of like how, you know, we, we had this, this was the major plot in season two, yeah. right? He knew Pussy was the rat, but he couldn't let himself see it. I don't know. The show gives him really good abilities to read He's also very careful. Situations. He's also, let's not forget, he's also a serial adulterer, and Chris is not above fucking around while he's out of town, so... Do you give the girlfriend that it's like a cop? Okay, sure. It's like a cop covering for their partner with the wife, Absolutely. you know. Mm-hmm. But anyway, very interesting beat though. The fact that we could talk so much about just that little exchange. Well, it was interesting. It, it was. was notable. It was. Aid comes into her office and where she was doing coke when Tony caught her, and Tony is checking a mole on his arm. He's got a shirt off. Mole looked right regular around the margins. Drops the episode title. I see anything now. I think I got melanoma. He's nervous because he's had the, the cancer on his head. Well, and and that episode title is the key to understanding this whole situation, right? Because the idea is that if a mole changes its shape, it could be cancerous, right? If mm. this situation gets out of control, it could mm. be cancerous, right? Mm. It's, it's destructive right. to yes. everyone. Ooh. <laughs> That's them. That's not me. That's, you know. <laughs> Adriana expresses that she uh, could really use some coke to clean the house. Tony says, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> and they discuss where they're going to get it. It's 2 o'clock. Cross-Eyed Billy probably left the Bing already. I, I wish I could meet Cross-Eyed Billy. They, I wanted to meet Andre. <laughs> and then Andre or other dealers up. He's always up. Uh, out in Dover, right? Somewhere yeah. out there. And, uh, yeah, so they hit the road. Uh, they're driving. Adriana's telling them about a, gr- a woman and uh, that she knows. And Tony says, isn't she... Older or in her thirties, she's thirty-one, <laughs> and Jesus, <laughs> yeah. And then he, Tony says, "You know, you should introduce me to that friend of yours, Danielle. I thought I picked up something between me and her." 
Adriana's response. She's dead. <laughs> she drowned at a picnic. picnic what was a the best she could story. come up with. <laughs> yeah, I love. That There's too. your great actor. She definitely. Yeah, right. she, she definitely didn't think that story through at all. Like, what would? What if Tony? Why would she think Tony would ask about her? But even so, that she uh, could have said nothing. Drowned she picnic. drowned at a picnic. Yeah. I oh mentioned. Yeah, I'll mention. Well, it comes it, from yeah. her anger at her too, right? Like that—that <laughs> right. that wasn't her thinking. Oh, that's the FBI agent. No, that's the bitch that betrayed me. Right. That's right. what that response but, was. But like, drowned at a picnic's hilarious. Oh, it's like, hysterical. No one would ever oh, come up with that. No, yeah, which is not. ridiculous. <laughs> but oh, that's man. partly. I don't know that she's that's capable like... of better story, but that's partly why the story is so bad because I I think her trigger was more oh, of that. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah, it's just not... such an upright citizen's moment. Totally. Of just like <laughs> unlikely ways that I drowned at a picnic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they swerve to avoid a raccoon and the car flips over. Whoop! This is a shocker. This is like one of those holy shit things. I'm not the one with all the dents in her car. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. The Sopranos is uh, very good at these these surprise moments that are just things that happen in life. Car accidents, you get caught in something weird that's mm-hmm. just happening out and about. And here you go, swerving. Boom. Car flips onto the side. They're at the hospital. Tony's getting, he looks slightly banged up, but barely nothing, at all. Nothing, nothing touches this guy. Nope. nope. They, which is mentioned many times in the episode, and this is a running theme with Tony, that he has like a horseshoe up his ass. He really is just a lucky fucking guy. That, going back to the season one carjacking, and he, he, he has a knack for avoiding injury and avoiding fatal circumstances. Well, I thought like, of, oh, please. Sorry, it looks like a set of wide shots where we see the accident, and from those angles, the accident looks bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I would have thought at the very least... It ends up with Adriana with the brace and all that, but that would have been like the least of the injuries. Mm. Um, so th- the fact that she's basically going to be okay and Tony has like a few scratches, I was like, whoa. Yeah. 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 Well, he has no scratch and she is massively banged up and will continue to be so too. It's like this whole situation, she's the only one getting hurt. Oh, very good. Yeah. 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 I agree. Tony suggests to the doctor, did you do all the tests? I, I can afford it. And the doctor, this doctor character, who is coming back later on, I just love how snide and annoyed he gets. Same doctor from the Nick. That is, yes. Yes. Uh, I did the appropriate tests. (laughs) (laughs) My grandmother was the first black nurse to practice medicine. Medicine in Delaware. First black woman to practice medicine in Delaware. All right, take it easy. (laughs) (laughs) Just instantly. Mr. Soriano. Yeah, Hill Harper, he's great. Yeah. Yeah, really, really funny. Uh, goes to see Adriana. She's banged up. She doesn't remember what happened. Tony tells her it's a raccoon in the road. I mean, she's in a neck brace. Her half her face is blue, real bad, puffed up. And uh, this is a funny bit of trivia for the show, actually. That I believe the story goes that Cadillac w- was not thrilled with the idea of their car flipping over so easily, and ask the Sopranos if they're going to have their car flip over like that to add a line. Like, it was probably the only thing oh, that saved their life. Saved our lives. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's how, that's supposedly, that's supposedly, because, you know, they, they work with the, when you put, place a product in a show like this, you got to at least work with the people with sure, whose product sure. you're placing. That makes so, sense. Uh, that, 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 I don't know if that story is true, but it's plausible. Oh, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she mentions now that Christopher comes back that day, yeah. and then Tony says, yeah. yeah, we should probably talk about that. Yep, so, and then they it need dawns to, on her. They need to oh, concoct shit. some kind of story. Yep. 
Otherwise, mm-hmm. you know. But of course, the fire has started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chris returns. Big cigarette haul. Hit the fucking mother load. Watching Chris learn about this accident was, uh, you can see it dawn on him and uh, the concern initially. Uh, Dover. Oh, yeah, she's got an aunt out there who's been sick. Immediately covers. Yeah. He knows to cover. Yep. So that kind of sets up that perception is reality. Yep, yep, yep. In this world. So. Mm-hmm. They. They? Tony. Soprano? All right. We're, this is a little off. Not a, not a scratch. The fucking luck on this guy. <laughs> Middle of the night. So, next, so, so Chris says, yo, yeah, yeah, all right, let me, uh, shit, I got to get over there. And the next time we see Chris, he's driving Adriana home, and it's an awkward silence. And uh, it starts. This is, to me, is like when Chris is hitting the gas in this car, this is when the gas really starts to mm. rev up in this whole episode. And what the fuck are you doing in the car in the middle of the night, alone with my uncle? Fucking Dover. And uh, she's just saying, I don't want, I got out of work. I don't want to go right home. Two o'clock in the fucking morning. Don't lie to me. I was going to stay up all night, whatever. I was out wor- working by, so I could buy you alcohol and Coke and all the other shit that you shovel into your mouth. Two o'clock in the fucking morning. I should have made you walk home. She goes to talk. Shut your mouth. So Chris is upset right away. There's no... Like, he sits on it for a little while, thinks about it. This is just an immediate, like, okay, what the fuck? You know? Mm. You know how this looks. Yeah. You know how this looks, exactly. Goes into this, I, I mean, this this next bit might be, uh, like, on the nose, a little too on the nose by half, but I love Tony handing Chris the shit end of the stick. Yeah. It's just, just, just great. Yeah, what's yeah. going on with poop in this episode? There's a lot of poop stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The swirl, uh, the shit swirling around me. Yeah, as Carmela says, I think it's the shit yeah, storm. The, yeah, the shit storm. Uh, you know, stirring shit up. Right, yeah. there's a lot of that. Mm. You know, going mm. on. It was blind luck that accident. I'd be thinking the same thing if I were you. It was late. Got out of work. We were looking to grab a burger in Dover. Chris says, "I love that he keeps bringing Dover's out there. Dover is yeah. not." It's out of the way. It's out of the way, especially in most of the places we see these gang- these characters hanging out. It's about 45 minutes to an hour from where we currently are. So it's, it's like West Jersey. It's out there. Keep in mind, it, the, isn't Crazy Horse closer to down the shore? Yeah. And that's another thing. Yeah. That's like, yeah. So is it Crazy farther or closer? Further. It's oh, further. wow. Okay. It, it's, it's to go to Dover from where the Crazy Horse would be geographically is makes it's asinine. Right. There would be no reason to go to yeah. Dover, correct? Unless you have you'd have to like drive through West Caldwell and oh, wherever Adriana lives to get there. It got makes it. no sense. Right. <laughs> they were in, and he, their excuse for looking to grab a burger, by the way, they're especially yeah, back then. No. Like five hundred diners between. Right. Them. I blame Tony <laughs> for not giving them a better story. Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on. Yep. You know, a- admit the drugs at least, so you're not giving away the potential affair. Yeah. No, but he can't be a yeah. drug dealer. Yeah, or a drug this, user. Yeah, all this to cover right. just the illicit quality of doing a drug pickup. Right. Not even a, an affair directly. Yeah. Just that. Just that inference. You know. Yep. She was talking about you, how you were the best thing that ever happened to her. So this is my fucking fault now. She's a ten, a knockout. You're average at best. And you better reconcile yourself with that or you're going to be paranoid your whole life. I mean, ouch. He's, I don't know that he's necessarily wrong. But he basically says, you scored so far out of your league when you got her. What did you expect? Yeah, it takes 
one to no one. Right. Right. And yeah, that's also I true. I mean, he does always get <laughs> knockouts, but like, come on. Nothing happened. I'm not going to say it again. Everyone knows about your midlife crisis. Last couple of years, you've been the biggest fucking coos hound around. Your midlife Correct. crisis. You'd fuck a catcher's mitt. Great line. <laughs> <laughs> that's the line of the episode. That's so yeah. good. Brilliant. <laughs> and then that last shot of Chris just standing there and Tony's smoke blowing in his face. And then Chris walks out. It's 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 just great. And then we get what has to be one of the funniest sequences in a long time. This gangster game of telephone. <laughs> this is the wildfire spreading now. Yes, yeah, right. absolutely. Because you can't rein it in. Yep. Even Silvio, the level-headed guy, like, she got caught giving Tony head. And I head love, love all the people in this telephone. Yeah, like, yeah, fucking yeah. fucking Junior's in there at yeah, one yeah, point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Apparently, he came alone with the sun visor. <laughs> <laughs> Junior's, like, only line in this episode. His only yeah. appearance. His only appearance. In this yeah, episode. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, this is just hilarious. Uh, <laughs> we even get, for a moment, Danielle. Yeah. Yep. yep. Thought she drowned at a picnic. No, nope, apparently a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then the of course because everyone's talking about it on the phone, the feds know. Guess who went down on Tony Soprano? They're gossiping about it, joking about it. The back of Satriel's Vito saying he was this close. Well, you know that's a problem then because your Brajel isn't even this that long. Right. Chris comes in more shit. We're just shooting the shit. That's an expression in this scene. Right. Uh, I thought again of Johnny Sack and the Jenny Sack joke again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. This yep. is something, but that's just again like the Boca thing. It's another. It's the perception. Yeah. It is perception. Yep. Yep. Of course, G- Ginny and Johnny are married. I mean, Chris, Tony, as if this excuses it. Tony says to Chris, "You should have married that girl two years ago," which is like, oh, so that yeah, like that's yeah, that ever stopped him. Was, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Paulie with the as of the wedding day, anything that touches a pussy is off limits. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, we, do, we do have our standards. <laughs> uh, Chris is not letting it go. Oh, yeah, what about it? What's, not so, what's so funny? Oh, I want to know what's so fucking funny, you fucking parade float. Oh, I'm a captain now. You don't talk to me like that. First time we've learned that. Yes, yes. Right. Vito is a captain and presumably... Of the April crew. Took over the Ralphie April... The April crew. Uh, he was on... He was, yeah, and he worked for Ralphie, so... Yeah. Yeah, so Vito's in charge of that now. I have a feeling that'll come back around at some point, so let's keep an eye on that. Chris throws a sand... Fuck all he is. Throws a sandwich at Vito. Terrible use of a sandwich. Oh, yeah. especially a sandwich. You know the sandwich. You know that Satriales fucking sandwich was, was good. It was, was fantastic. You know that was a good Best sandwich. Best in class, yeah. Yep. A North Jersey sandwich you don't throw away. No, That's I don't right. know. That, that, that was Chris's biggest sin in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of this, uh, that, the next scene... Uh, <laughs> Goes home and this scene is is rough. This is very hard to watch. This is this is the worst beating Chris has bestowed upon Adriana. He storms in furious. Uh, you fucking lion bitch chokes her. She's still recovering from the accident. Correct. Way where she had the thing yeah, on her yeah, neck. Yeah. Uh, Dover. I just remembered your other dope dealer lives up there. Okay, okay, but I wasn't sucking anybody's cock. How could you say that? Like it wouldn't, like it almost didn't happen. Everyone's like so good, like bad and good at lying in this episode. And Chris, <laughs> I hate laughing at lines in this scene because it's so tense and awful. But like, so you two were just gonna toot up a bunch of lines, go fucking bird watching. <laughs> it is. Well, wait, you know, to Chris's point, why, why was he giving her a ride? They were gonna go score co together. 
they they might have done something else. Do you know what I mean? Of course. Like, I know, I know this thing didn't happen. This affair didn't happen. That's important to note that. But, like, it really could have. Of course. Is Chris's behavior excusable? Not at all. This is a horrible scene. But Tony is not exercising any kind of restraint here, right? Oh, Coke, sure. Yeah, I'll go with you. Yeah, I'll give you a ride in his head. Yeah, if we fuck, we fuck. I think is what he's thinking. Of course. Of course. Of course. If it happens, it happens. Hey, you know, I tried, right? No. Everybody knows about it. Everybody's talking about it. Flips the table over. You want me to use you, bitch? You're killing me. And then he administers the... I mean, this isn't like a slap or an emotional punch in a single moment. This is hit you, knock you down, pick you up by your throat, backhand you again, drag you by your hair. Ow, my neck. Get the fuck out of here. I never want to see you again. Rough. Rough stuff. Uh, Adriana's... Uh, had 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 better days. This is just yeah. Really and then terrible. he's right off the cliff. Into, oh, like he searches her bag for drugs, doesn't find anything, goes right into the cabinet for alcohol. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, just drinking the vodka right out of the bottle. Yeah. So the the folic acid, uh, you know, didn't exactly yeah. deal with all his pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my notes say he's real mad for someone who's constantly cheating. Yeah, <laughs> that's also true. That's also true. Yep. But that's like, that's the hypocrisy of their lifestyle, you know, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Tony has no scratch. Junior was fine in Boca. Lily mentioned in the other scene that what Tony says to Chris in part could be the projection of reconciling yourself to being paranoid, feeling like you're not enough, whatever. And like, as Lily just mentioned, this, this is hypocritical, but aren't the insecurities of all these men, um, about perception as reality, among other things... A huge complication. That's mm-hmm. in part why it becomes wildfire like that, as Jordan aptly titled our episode. Yeah. Mm. These supposed tough guys, again, touch on something. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it even makes me think of, you know, Tony yelling at Karma about all the nice things. What was the kind of car he said she would drive? Um, but they can't drive a Volvo, the Sopranos. They're a mob boss family. They have to have... The perception has to be the reality, right? You have to have the nice house. Sure. You have to have the nice cars. And and he blames Carmella for it. Mm-hmm. These poor women. Yeah. <laughs> AJ and Tony are about to have some pizza. Uh, AJ's watching UFC, which was starting to get really big at this time. 2004 was when UFC kind of became a mainstream thing and slowly choked the boxing industry into the condition it's in today. That seemed like maybe also kind of a joke transition too. Oh, sure. The fight between Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Adrian and then the UFC fight. Yeah. 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 Do your algebra ch- chill out. I studied for 45 minutes straight. Don't I deserve a break? Tony B comes over. You got a minute? I got to talk to you. Tony sends him upstairs to study. Shuts the TV off. What about the pizza <laughs> study? And Tony B says that uh, their their cousin Chris is fucked up at a tavern, saying all kinds of fucked up shit. And Tony drops the fucking line of the century on this. Where's his fucking self control, this guy? <laughs> I even put the eye roll emoji in my notes. Yeah, yeah. By the way, right after Tony B tells him that Christopher is like out hunting for him, I think Tony B says like, "I gotta use your John." Yeah. Yep. Right. So this is a, more bathroom stuff in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. The shit these people all live in and make for themselves. Well, there's also the you know don't shit where you eat. Yes. Is an expression commonly used like 
don't fuck someone you work with. Right. Because, like, that's yeah. usually the thing. Yeah. Yep. AJ starts playing the drums. Oh, this fucking kid. Tony says, well, he knows where to find me. You see him, you tell him that. And both of the kids, I'm sorry. Yeah. Both of the kids are on the margins yeah. of this episode. And it seems like they gotta be kept there. Yeah. Like, do not let them know. For the sake of them, we gotta put the good face on this. Mm-hmm. Like, again, interesting. They're, they're, they're important uh, in this episode thematically. They just don't have a lot of screen time. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. That's interesting because I, I was watching this Instagram video this morning where this woman was talking about... Um, she's a, a child psychologist or a psychologist of sorts, and she was talking about parents coming to her and saying, you know, I got a divorce. I don't want my kids to be traumatized. Or my kid was left in a field and wasn't picked up for an hour. How do I make sure they're not traumatized? And the psychologist's answer was, the event isn't traumatic. It's the loneliness that comes after when people don't speak about it or when the child feels lonely. Mm. And so ultimately they are actually creating the trauma if what this psychologist is saying is true. And it, it sounds like it makes a lot of sense. That's pretty crazy actually yeah yeah it's it's so hard with kids because trauma happens so incidentally mm-hmm. i don't think you even as a parent know what is traumatizing not you, you can worry about it right but like um yeah you know what i'm not even i'm not going to dredge up the thing i was about to dredge up but speaking non-specifically right my mother said something to me that she said casually 30 years ago and i carried it forever and I recently brought up that she said that to me, and I was like, I kind of never forgave you for that. And she said, I don't even remember that I said that. Yep. You know what I mean? Because for them, it's not a moment. You yeah. know. But had she acknowledged it and then been with you through it, right? Then I, it could have been healed. Correct. You know? That's yeah. the point. It's What's the conversation the saying, uh, that cut that comes or doesn't come after the event is actually the trauma. What's right. the expression? The axe doesn't remember the tree. Something huh. like that. I th- yes, uh, right. The the tree remembers the axe forgets. Yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, um, I, and I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, but as Lily was mentioning, like it's about the reflecting and remembering. Um, I assume after they put this to bed, at the end of this episode, this will never be discussed again. Mm-hmm. No, this. No. Yeah. In every possible way, this episode is literally self-contained in yeah. that way. No more talk about any of this about the alleged whatever nothing well they make that clear at the end of the episode yeah right um which means which is that that's the key to actually something like a trauma is that you have to remember it as opposed to reliving it correct so tony has to drop aj off at the house aj this was actually a good call yeah of course (laughs) uh what's up what's what's wrong what's going what's up tony you can't yeah you couldn't bring this in himself i can't come say hello what you want us to hear if I've heard all the disgusting shit they're saying about you. It isn't true. <laughs> she can't or won't hear that right now. Uh, calls out his fucking philandering. Christopher's upset. He could say things that a kid shouldn't hear. You know what? Fuck you. All that. And drops the pizza. Can't even look at you. Drops the pizza and walks out. This <laughs> comedic beat. Where he it's comes back so very good. It could have fallen right on its face, but thank God we have James Gandolfini and Alan Coulter. Uh, boy, was that funny. He comes back and takes the pizza indignantly and walks out. <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. 
I can't give up good beats. Come on. Yeah, where's this fucking self-control, this guy? Uh, <laughs> they're hanging out at the Bing. And it's not long before Chris rolls up, uh, empties a clip right into Tony's red Suburban that he's now... This is now two cars, Tony. This, this situation cost Tony. Mm. <laughs> Chris... Blows into the bing. He's got a gun. Security goes on to meet you, motherfucker. Shooting up. Silvio with the fucking bullhorn. I, I don't know that I've laughed harder at anything. It's one of the funniest moments. It's an life. unhappy customer. You know what to do down there. <laughs> he has that ready. Oh. Whoever's fucking idea that was, I want to kiss. But also, it's like, of course Silvio has that. Yeah. Like, like Yeah. <laughs> You're lucky I ran out of loads. He's getting dragged out. He's going to break his fucking wishbone. They all come down the stairs and they drag him out to the Meadowlands. And Tony and Chris have this out. You were doing coke with her. So what? I can't relieve a little stress once in a while. I don't got enough fucking problems. Jesus, Tony. Yep. You sent me to North Carolina so you could fuck my girlfriend. The thought never even entered my head. How can he fucking say that with a straight face? Because Tony lies like he breathes. Like, yeah. it's, he doesn't even hear himself lying. Yep. Yeah. But it, helps that, it helps that Christopher doesn't quite have it right. Yeah. Yeah. He it's wasn't also sent true. to North Carolina as a plan. Yeah. No. Tony doesn't plan stuff like that. Right. Tony just <laughs> doesn't stop his impulses. Um, but, he can, but he can seize on that and, and say, what kind of animal you think I am? Which yep. I think he also said to Artie when Artie accused him of burning down his restaurant. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> <sighs> All I can offer here for this scene is that I only knew Christopher survived because I know Christopher's in future episodes. <laughs> I actually thought, like, had I not known that, I was like, he could conceivably be killed. Here. Yeah, sure. Yeah. What kind of animal do you think I am? How about a big, dangerous bear? Yeah. Anyway. You push me to this. You push me to this. He gives him an option. Either you take it into your heart that I did not do this shit or this is as far as we go. Chris doesn't answer. Motherfucker. Gun to his face. And Tony B steps in. Tony B, who's along for the ride here. Tony. Much more helpful than Polly. Right. Yeah, Polly. Well, I see it. Tony's a fucking riddle to me in yeah. this scene, right? Right. He says he. Uh, I'm paraphrasing. Does anybody have the exact line? He must have known the, cl- the gun was empty. Look he at must... all the rounds he pumped into your car. That's right. He must yeah. have known the gun was empty. Look at all the rounds he pumped into your car. At first, I was like, oh, that's nice from Pauly. I think he's defending Christopher. Yeah. He's saying, T, don't kill him. He knew he didn't have any bullets left. Right. But then I'm also like, it's kind of also an instigating line. It kind of could be either. Yeah. Which is like kind of perfect Pauly. It is perfect like, Pauly. It's whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T, take this whatever way you want. You know, yeah, shoot him yeah. or not. I'm, I support you either way. And, and because for them. Because and, and, Chris is like, what the fuck is that supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Chris, Chris, Chris is feeling very emasculated here. And so what could have been... Aligned like, hey, I mean, maybe he wasn't actually trying to kill you, Tony. And clearly, he knew the gun was empty. Uh, and then Chris is thinking, "What are you calling me a pussy? Like I wouldn't kill him, kind of thing." Right. Uh, what the fuck are you trying to say, Paulie? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, honestly, but, yeah. T- Tony B saves Christopher's life. Yeah, he does. Here, yes. Yeah. Without that Absolutely. line, I think Tony shot Chris. Yep. Yeah. Tony, try it somebody else's way. Is it, what's the line he gives there? But try it my way. We take a long, tense beat. 
cut to inside this inside the car. It's a rainy night outside the hospital. They got Chris kind of Chris calmed is, down a bit. He's, he's got a cigarette on. He's 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 in the back seat. They go find this doctor, <laughs> Mr. Soriano. <laughs> he just finished up a 17-hour rotation. I love that Tony B has gone straight, but he still has the touch. Any gunshot wounds or broken kneecaps? <laughs> Listen, he's very smart. Yeah, he's a very And he comes character. off very well in this episode. He yes. does. Yes, he does. Right yeah. amount of threatening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. King he says it without saying it. Love him. They bring the doctor into the car. It'll take five minutes, Tony assures him. They bring the doctor into the car. Uh, Tony mentions the situation. <laughs> My friend here has got it in his head that there was oral sex going on in the car. The doctor's like, listen. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. Just a second. Just a second, right. <laughs> well, he's obviously feeling the pressure. He's obviously just going to fucking lie. I'm not in the custom of, of lying, lying about anything. anything. But as, <laughs> as to whether or not somebody was... Getting something, how would I know anything about that? <laughs> well, if the attending, you could attest that it's not possible. Yeah, great, Paul. Just act out the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, right? <laughs> uh, but this is great. So, so uh, they the the weird characterization of the doctor wasn't just for laughs in that previous scene. It actually creates a perfect person to relay this information because he's so up his own ass that he's not going to play these gangsters games he's gonna say what he believes and what is true um he's not in the custom of lying he wouldn't disgrace the first black woman to practice medicine in delaware he's gonna (laughs) hold true to the profession uh but steve buscemi kills it here and explains that she would have a break i'm not even gonna attempt to say the body parts but she would if she had a seatbelt on she would have abrasions in specific parts of the body the clavicle and all that whatnot and, and then he uh, translates for Chris. So what he's saying is she was sitting up. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then this man does not accept Tony's donation to make a wish. Right. Come yes. On. <laughs> <laughs> the kids, make a wish. Anyway. Whatever. Hey. <laughs> this, this whole season, Tony's been trying to tip people. The, no, the, the, yeah. the New Jersey uh, environmental guys. Yep. Uh, the yeah, fishing mm. game. Yep. <laughs> New lanyards yeah, for your whistles. <laughs> What do you want me to say? I guess I believe you. You threw food at Vito. That needs to be addressed. (laughs) (laughs) But then he drops our pull quote. Even if it wasn't true, it's what people think. I gotta live in the world. I gotta live in the world, and now I look like Joe Jerkoff. So, any final thoughts on this whole sequence? And what a great use of Tony B. Uh, you know, I, I, as horrible as Christopher is in this episode, I really feel bad for him when he says that. Yeah. I, yeah. The I have to live in the world. I don't think Tony remembers what it's like to have to live in the world. Mm. You know, to you know, not be someone who is naturally powerful, naturally respected, who has to live with everybody talking behind their back. To be a young man like Christopher, who always like kind of is fighting for his position and... Mm. You know, it's it could all be at risk for him. Uh, yeah, for as know. angry as I am at him, he has not had it easy yeah. at all. No. You know, and, and this is just adding another layer of shit. Yes, and I think this also will bring us to a beat in a moment when we check back in with Carmela. Even though Carmela does not have nearly as much screen time as Tony, Adriana, and Chris, it is also about her when Tony says, oh, this is about you and, you know, her perception. And she says, well, what do I mean nothing yeah i gotta live with this shit swirling around me she's got to live in the world too yeah and people talking about her ex-husband and his philandering being so 
outrageous that it's actually now come into the family in this act of this alleged act of symbolic incest it lords over her as well yeah it's a powerful thing and that perception as reality that insecurity it's such a big part of this episode again breaking these taboos maybe again poop being a taboo of some kind i don't know but that's why i chose it as the quote absolutely uh and you know it also just points to a furthering of the theme that you know tony's affairs are not victimless things no. you know it's always been a part of the character ever since we met him is that this guy fucks around a lot now it is funny and very sopranosy that in this episode he didn't actually do any fucking around but we're still seeing the consequences of that mm. uh there are victims here it's not just the person that tony is sleeping with it's not just his wife it's also that person's partner mm. right and then it's the extended world beyond them that every time Tony makes a cuckold of someone else, right, that they're another fool out in the world. You yeah. know, that's uh, that's another kind of, of victim-making, mm. uh, you know. Uh, and, and you know, to what Melfi said earlier, this is huge as well. I mean, Chris, Chris is not the only victim here. Should this affair have been true, or should this have been allowed to have been thought of as true, really diminishes Adriana, yeah. you know. So it's there's a lot here. A lot here that I think Tony usually considers. Yes. Doesn't usually consider. Robin Green and Mitchell Burgess, if you're out there somewhere listening, uh, you deserve everything in the world that you have that's good for this next scene. You know what? I might as well have fucked her. Thanks. <laughs> that's what he learned. Yes, and terrifying. Human yeah. beings broadly operate by incentive. Yeah. Isn't Tony's incentive after this experience to do what he wants and then lie about it? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess that yeah, was yeah. it all along, but now, but like, right. especially after this. Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, you know, I could have had all of this shit happen and then also had the great experience of fucking her. He got so, the infamy without yeah. the affair. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. exactly. For a utilitarian gangster, that's unacceptable. Yep, yep. Tony goes to see Carmela and straighten this out. Um, you believe this shit you're saying... The shit they're saying, I don't know what to believe, what's going to happen when the, when the kids find out. Your daughter already suspects you. What do you mean? She saw you at the club, said you were coked out. I don't do drugs. Amazing delivery. Yeah. So indignant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then just, these two are so great. This scene is really good. This is such a believable follow-up to all of this. All right, so it's about me. What do I mean? Nothing to you? I have to live with this shit swirling around me? Great delivery. Edie Falco crushing it. No surprise there. And uh, do you really think I would go near that girl like that? Adriana's going to be a member of this family. I haven't been a saint, and Lord knows you haven't been a saint yourself. <laughs> Just like... What? Yeah. And he, he, he flat out asks her, do you really think I would do that? It like really lays it out there. And Carmela doesn't answer him, but... What a multitude of emotions, emotions that she has pass across her face. Yeah, really great moment there. Such a good, powerful scene. Um, what do we think of the fact that there's some part of Carmela that is still capable of thinking he may not be capable of this? Or do we think that? Is she just... What, what do we make of the conclusion drawn here? Tony says, thank you. I need you to... Help me put a good face on this thing. I gotta bail you out. It's never ending your bullshit. But she's A, she agrees to do it. And B, uh, what do we think? Does she actually think that this Tony is incapable of this act? 
I think she's incredibly good at reading him. And I think we get the display of uh, many emotions here. There's, uh, of course, her rage, her annoyance. There is even a moment where she thinks this is sort of funny. And that plays on her face for a second. We get a little bit of amusement for a mm. moment in there. Uh, we get the long moment of consideration. When she really sees him, almost with pity, I think she realizes, like, you know, I fucking hate you, but I, I actually don't think you did this. Mm. You know, I, I think she reads him on it. I think she she does believe him. Isn't that so incredibly awesome and crazy that she believes him? Like, I don't know. Like, that's that's just wild with all that they've been through and all the vitriol they've spewed and the resentment she has and all of the times he has actually done it. It's it, it is kind of a fascinating that she she buys it, that she at least is willing to swallow the possibility that he is incapable of doing this mm. after everything they've been through. That's something. Good shit. Great scene for the kids and the family. And she basically walks away. It's never ending. Your bullshit. She's correct. Cut to Adrian across in the street. <laughs> I love the humor here. She like she hasn't been fucking beat up enough this episode. Some asshole in. in you know, Garfield has to yell at her, use the fucking crosswalk, lady. <laughs> it just doesn't, it's never ending for her, too, either, this whole thing. The shitstorm, yeah. Uh, and she gets in the car, holy shit, don't get all excited. <laughs> Most of it's from the accident. They want to put a bug in her club, and she puts a foot down. No, put uh, draws a boundary. I do enough for you people. Yeah, though they, my club. San Severino says they can just get a court order to do it anyway. So right. It's just, yeah, they can do yep. what they want. And San Severino can't help but recognize yeah. that this is not good. Mm-hmm. So she's, whether or not she wants to, she's seeing part of Adriana's humanity. Right. For all the good that it's going to do anybody. Right. Yeah, exactly. She tells her it's a syndrome protecting abusers. And uh, Adriana responds, if it had been Chris alone in the car with a woman, I'd have killed him. What a line there. Yeah, on one hand, I guess I believe her. Uh, (laughs) But on the other hand, this is sad that she's willing to... This is one of those situations you you take your licks and... Unless this is an example of... What's the line Meadows says when somebody else in the family was trying... Are they, which funeral are they at at Vesuvio when you can cut this if you want? Do you know what I'm talking about? When Meadow's like, we don't talk about it like that. Oh, the you way know, you talk like to an outsider? About the, uh, to oh, the yeah, outsider? The fact you would talk to an That's outsider. how that reads to me more than anything else is this instant you don't talk about that stuff That's to a boundary an for her that's a, that she won't cross. Because it's Jackie's funeral. As much as, yes. Yeah, with his sister. Correct. Yeah. Because as much as she's not a good liar within, she has to know he cheats on her. Mm. She has to. It's part of the life. Yes. Right? So to me, that's not so... Yeah, I mean, I guess if she caught him, I I think that's true. But I think that that's outsider talk. That's just her drawing a boundary with the FBI. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. We're not talking about this anymore. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that tracks, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it's her own kind of omerta in that case. <clears throat> you know, yeah. And then we end the episode with this big public dinner at Vesuvio. Uh, Tony and Mama Blundetto, Tony and Carm, and Chris and Adriana all going out. Big center table. They set this up with Artie. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, all the guys are in there eating. Vito comes over, shakes a hand. Everybody makes nice. And this gets tucked away into the little box that we're not going to acknowledge. And is I'm surely going to be wholly inconsequential going forward. <laughs> Nothing of this is going to have any long-term consequences for any of these characters. They're going to bottle it up. And it's all going to go away. Nice, nice. Everybody made a nice face. Yeah. And we close out the episode. Uh, going back again to Ducks and Pool and Pilot callbacks the song that's playing over this credit is the song that is playing when the ducks fly away in the pilot episode and tony passes out over the grill Mm. that opera song i'm I'm, I'm not losing the name of it but if you go back and listen to it it's that same song as he gives that longing look at carmella and the episode cuts out so there are a lot of callbacks to the ducks the pool the family here and that's how we close out this episode final thoughts on this last dinner sequence and the episode proper my final thought is of Carmella, um, mm. because this thing burns out of control without her. Mm. You know, uh, that last scene, the dinner, it's totally fake, but she's there. And the most striking thing to me, more than the veto handshake, more than the other people at the table, is him looking at her like proud, but with love, like she, she did this for him, you know, uh, otherwise this has the potential to like, you know, burn down the family. Uh, and just that she has the grace to do that, you know, that she has the power to do that, you know. She really uh, does save the day. She saves the day. Yeah. Yeah. More of the Soprano women taking on the emotional labor of the bullshit that these men put them through. Yeah, we opened the episode with this weird element at the margins, Meadow and Tony at the club, and, um... And again, is even Tony, this cocaine thing, is this part of him getting out of control, as Jordan said, this wildfire without Carmela there. At the end, again, something at the margins. Carmela helps smooth it over. Adore this episode, top to bottom. Great acting, terrific writing. Alan Coulter, really nice little touches. Um, partway through the episode, when Tony goes back to therapy, Melfi says this is a very big step, this is a milestone. I considered making that the quote, and then I thought we might expand the analysis from there. But because of the cruelty of the world that they're in um, because of their own personal failings in spite of what Melfi said as much as I would love it to be true I don't think growth and progress for these characters is ever going to be at the center I think it's going to be the irregularity at the margins Mm. Mm. and with that folks that's been another wonderful episode thank you for joining us our recurring Lily, who is going to be uh, popping in and out a little bit more frequently this season. It was great having you for this one. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, and next up is the season five. I can't believe we're already almost at the halfway point. They all seem fast, but this one seems particularly fast for some reason to me. Uh, we're going to be at Sentimental Education, an episode I actually uh, enjoyed a lot more watching it back for our podcast than I remember liking it initially. So we're going to talk about that one coming up. But this has been an awesome one, irregular around the margins, maybe a top fiver of the series, uh, possibly, and definitely in the conversation. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Lily D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. And we will see you next time for Sentimental Education. Sentimental Education.